brewing a pot of consciousness with a side of wellness. Quench your curiosity with reality. Hello everyone, I hope you're having a nice and wonderful day. I would like to welcome you guys to another episode of Reality Podcast, where we will be discussing the current issues that has evolved around us. Discussing the issue together with your host, I'm Adam Aslan. Hi, I'm Faris. Hello, I'm Joel. And I'm Sazaki. In today's episode, we will be discussing the 17 Sustainable Development Goals or SDGs. To be specific, our main focus is on the 11 Sustainable Development Goals, which is Sustainable Cities and Communities. The SDG 11 is to make cities inclusive, safe, resilient, and sustainable. For today's topic, we will discuss about Backward Care, a view from urban design. The idea of this title is to discuss issues that are affecting the cities and communities in Malaysia. We dig deep into Kuala Lumpur's urban planning, how it affects the youth now, and what our young aspiring urban planners have in mind towards a youthful city. <coughs> Adam, why don't you wear your mask? Yes, don't you know, even if you are fully vaccinated, you still have to comply to SOP set by the Kementerian Kesehatan Malaysia. Never forget to wash your hands frequently and adequately, wear your face mask and maintain social distancing during these challenging times. Together, we can break the chain of COVID-19 infection. Hashtag kita, jaga kita. Together with us today, we have Mr. Faiz Samad, who is a young senior urban planner, and Ms. Nur Rashika, an aspiring urban planner. They will share their insight on the current urban planning and the involvement of youth in creating sustainable cities and communities. By the end of this episode, with the help of our two speakers, you guys will understand more and have an insight regarding this issue. And we will be starting off our podcast episode with Ms. Rashika. Uh, hi, Ms. Rashika. Hi, everyone. Thank you for being here with us today. Uh, so, if you don't mind sharing with us your experience and how do you feel to be a young professional town planner? And were you involved in policy making, interpolating ideas? First of all, uh, thank you for the question. My background is urban planner because I get my bachelor degree in urban planning in UTM Skudai. Continued my master in architecture with, in the same university. Having an experience as a town planner, I don't have much experience in that because I work more on the transportation planning in Malaysia and I got involved in a lot of projects such as PRT, MRT3, feasibility study of the MRT, and also transportation master plan in few cities in Malaysia such as Kuching, Tuno and some other places as well. I think as a young town planner, when talking about policy making and ideas, it really depends where you work. For myself, I've been in engineering company. We work as a group and of course, there's a lot of discussion before uh, doing a project. And interestingly, that the company that I work with is not a pure urban planning company. It's a pure engineering company. So the approach is quite different than working in the urban planning company. 
because there's a lot of engineering parts taking into account on decision making of a plant such as building a highway of course we see a lot of things like calculation and all but in terms of making a decision it really depends on who you work with hmm it is fantastic how someone as young as you could get the chance to be involved in a number of projects in a few states in Malaysia and get to work together with your mates or your peers in decision making hmm. all right alam uh, we are very uh, grateful to hear there's such a wonderful or vast experience from miss rashika mm, so moving on uh, how does urbanization affect the heritage of kuala lumpur miss rashika because yeah. uh, like you know what nowadays uh, kl has been gazetted with urbanization so we would like to hear from your from your own uh, view Uh, okay, all right. The original part of Kuala Lumpur is the Sungai Kelang, Sungai Gombak punya cross section, no? Dekat Masjid Jami'in. Eh? That's the first morphological aspect of Kuala Lumpur. It's where the first settlement is there. And what happened is that bila urbanization actually has killed this sentiment because when you put too much influence in the city center there's a lot of sacrifices to be made the value of heritage sebenarnya it depends on who actually experience it i mean we don't have really original people who actually live in kl like for centuries i mean like generation to generation except kampung baru kan you know you don't have like a core value of you know attachment towards the kuala lumpur itself So the value is not there. So what happened to Kuala Lumpur Heritage is, is inilah problemnya kalau uh, kalau our national heritage is not being gazetted by the National Heritage Act and so so on so so far kan. They are at risk of decaying and being demolished. And sama juga case dengan our shop houses dekat semua tempat Tun Hsiasli, Chinatown, Jalan Sultan, Jalan Kinabalu, Jalan Tuan Abdul Rahman The private owner itself is not there anymore So the attachment is not there anymore So siapa yang kena value benda tu sebenarnya Kalau tak orang yang memiliki ataupun apa bangunan tu So bila, bila tu tak tak ada value, tak dilihat sebagai value uh, Macam mana the tendency of removing it is much higher than protecting it Itu yang jadi dekat KL sekarang All right, Miss Rajika. Okay, so now we do understand why most of the Kuala Lumpur citizens were lacking in valuing KL heritage. So I guess that younger generation nowadays need to value more this historical city. Isn't it right, Zul? Yeah, yes. Exactly. As well as the private owner who owned the land, but let it abandon just like that. Yeah. So, Miss Rajika, going forward with the next question, Yes. With your prior experience in the industry as a representative of Yule, does the city council consider the needs and wants of the Yule? And of course, what is the benchmark set by the city council such as DBKL for the city to be considered safe, sustainable and resilient for the Yule of the future? All right, there, there is a two part of this answer. One is the we have a very good and efficient plan, which is... I think all local authority have the plan, Kuala Lumpur City plan and all. And of course, there is there is a consideration a lot towards our youngsters in the plan. I think that for the BKL itself, there's a lot of changes in the city to make it safe compared to 
ten when I did my diploma in UTM back then. I think like right now they are trying their best to provide like a a very good pedestrian infrastructure all over the city, and they try to inject like free car every Saturday and cycling lane. Right, you know people in Malaysia. The problem is that when you plan something and you do it, they want to see result right away, which is not the right concept of doing things. The least that you can see positive result is at least ten years. But the effort is there, which I appreciate when they put a cycling lane, and they reduce the width of the lane because the normal car lane is actually three point seven five meter. But to put a cycling lane, they reduce the lane, which is actually a very good um, consideration to make it resilient and to promote sustainability. Although not so many people in Malaysia cycle that time in twenty when they started like twenty fifteen, yeah. After few years, cycling has become like some kind of a groupy cycling, right? And the evolution is not being seen when they first doing it. So give some times. Like the plan is there, they need steps to doing it. The result can't be seen in a very short time. Mm-hmm. Change are always welcome. Yet we, as youth of Malaysia, should never forget that changes takes time to come into fruition. Am I right, Adam? Yes, yes. I totally agree with you. Uh, just like how Malay usually say, "Uh, sikit sikit lama lama jadi bukit." Uh, Miss Rashika. You have mentioned that you have experience in transport planning. So, uh, back in the year 2020, uh, KL was ranked number 46 with traffic congestion level at 37% as it was reported in the NST. We understand how bad traffic jams are in KL, especially for the urban residents. Uh, can you share with us the strategic plan that is usually taken by the town planner to cater those issues. All right, this is my personal opinion. The core problem of congestion is because we don't use the space in the cities for living. Uh, as you can see, we have a lot of spaces. Second floor building space is empty in the city. If you walk, you know, in in the city, you'll see that like shop houses, right? Uh, in the city center, it's empty. There's actually a lot of spaces in the city that is not being utilized enough. So what happened is when this happened, uh, the tendency of opening a new area out of the city center, but forgetting the fact that Kuala Lumpur City itself is a nuclear nucleus of everything. It's a capital city. The attraction is there, but the creative idea you know, to solve this problem. It's not there. Kalau uh, you read a book about Creative City by Richard Florida, you will understand why is this thing happening. It's because that the professional doesn't see, seems to see cities as a place where they could put a life on it. Like it happens in American country these days, but uh, we cannot compare ourselves to America or Britain or anywhere else because they have a lot of land to develop. But Malaysia is just, you know, and we have a lot of things to preserve as well, especially our green areas. The strategic plan that I think is it's beneficial for right now is injecting people living in the city back by providing a good space and use unutilized space it is in the city itself. Mm. So now we understand what is the core problem of traffic congestion in KL. Uh, yeah, I saw lots of shop houses 
and there are lots of not fully utilized space in the cities. Sometimes in the few area, there are abandoned shop houses. Um, so the strategic plan you are suggested is to cater those issues by injecting people living back in the cities, provide good houses for them, and encourage uh, them to live back in KL. Uh, so finally, with that explanation, we would like to thanks to Ms. Rashika for joining us, us for today. And to all listeners out there, please stay tuned for our next guest shortly after this public service announcements. Brewing a part of consciousness with a side of wellness. Quench your curiosity with reality. All right. Let us make a way for a public service announcement regarding what is the public relations program in UITM. So, the main purpose of public relations is to present organization in the best light possible. Public relations is a strategic communication process that builds mutually beneficial relationships between organizations and their publics. This requires special skills in the area of research, managerial, persuasive communication, strategic planning, and writing. In UITM, they offered a few public relations subjects such as PR writing, corporate PR, public opinion, propaganda, and many more. Besides, public relations in UITM also has an association called Institute of Public Relations Malaysia Students Association, or IPRMSA, which helps graduates to be self-reliant and industry-ready. Okay, back to our discussion. Let us move on to the next segment. So, here we are. Together with us, we have Mr. Faiz Samad. Okay, uh, thank you very much for inviting me to be part of this podcast session. Alright, Mr. Faiz. Do you have any idea or you might share with us regarding what is the difference between government and private sector role in town planning? When you, as a planner in government sector, you are responsible for approving any development in your area. Okay, you need to understand uh, the development and then approving uh, the development tu, bila you nak approve sesuatu development tu, bukan mudah. As a planner in government sector ni, dia lebih kepada you handle the area ataupun you betul-betul kawal pembangunan dekat kawasan tu. You tak boleh uh, sesuka hati meluluskan atau approving any development yang akan merosakkan bandar you. Yang akan orang cakap mendatangkan kemarahan orang. Itu cabaran bagi uh, planner yang di dalam government sector lah which are different uh, from the private sector kalau private sector ni you need to think what's the best for the area okay you need to have a certain ideas that will give an impact ataupun to improve the livability of the area oh i see uh, mr faiz you are saying uh, government and private town planner has a different roles as the government on planning, giving approval on development in certain area, uh, while private town planner providing the best solutions for the people. 
Mm-hmm. This is uh, definitely a new insight for me. So, uh, Mr. Faiz, in relation to previous questions, I wonder how to turn the city in Malaysia with sustainable, useful cities. What are the challenges they're facing by them? Relate to the question to to turn Malaysian city into sustainable city. Okay, uh, untuk soalan ni, okay, in my opinion, uh, sebenarnya yang memainkan peranan lah, memainkan untuk menjadikan ataupun develop an area tu to be more sustainable, useful city ialah lebih kepada planner in government sector lah because they have the power to control any development in their area. So, sustainable uh, youthful city ni bagi saya uh, more towards dia, dia luas sebenarnya because uh, youthful city ni bila cakap youthful city dia vibrant. Uh, youth, kita punya term youth tu dia more to how to make the city vibrant actually. So, benda-benda ni kalau dekat private sector yes, kita boleh impose macam-macam aktiviti design a place that vibrant, sustainable dari segi macam mana? Contoh kita design parts yang uh, lebih besar yang boleh orang enjoy the place dan we input certain activities to the area to make it more vibrant. Kita kalau uh, di developer ataupun di private sector, yes kita boleh letak macam-macam ideas. Tapi benda ni bila kita present kepada bila kita give this idea ataupun untuk approval di peringkat uh, LA di government uh, apa tu di planners di government dia ada certain yang kita perlu follow lah especially bahagian guidelines lah memang kalau kita ada tanah yang luas making area tu merancang kawasan lagi senang sebenarnya kalau kita ada tanah yang luas berbeza kalau kita ada tanah yang kecil untuk didevelop. That's my uh, cakap overview lah macam mana perspektif kalau kita di peringkat local government dan juga di peringkat private sector uh, untuk menjadikan ataupun turning Malaysia ni to be more sustainable youthful city. KL contohnya. Dia ada parts kawasan riadah. Dia ada kawasan untuk beraktiviti lah di KL tu. Tapi kurang. The problem KL is that dia bukannya a plan city. Dia sebenarnya organic city. When okay, bila organic city, certain area tu ataupun certain lot adalah berpenghuni. Ataupun lot-lot tu dia ada owner di masing-masing. Kalau local government tu kaya, dia boleh beli. Tapi kalau local government yang contoh majlis perbandaran, majlis daerah agak sukar untuk diorang membeli tanah-tanah individu, terutama KL. So apa yang uh, DBKL try buat ataupun we as a town planner kalau di peringkat local authority, we impose certain guideline lah dekat diorang. Means berapa banyak rumah yang you bina ni, you kena give back berapa Uh, percentage tu untuk gain area contohnya. Tapi benda tu agak sukar kalau melibatkan tanah-tanah individu yang kecil ni. Itu yang saya beritahu tadi uh, bila kita contoh uh, kita bila melibatkan tanah-tanah yang besar 
ataupun plan city lah kita panggil plan city lebih mudah untuk kita bangunkan bandar tu kepada ada ideas of making it sustainable youthful city tu sebab tanah-tanah besar ni dia dah plan kita dah we town planner uh, kita dah letak kawasan tu kat mana dah housing dekat sini uh, taman dekat tengah contohnya and then people boleh enjoy beraktiviti di taman tu contohnya sebab you ada thousand acres of land yang boleh you plan betul-betul untuk attract, untuk make bandar tu more sustainable susah kalau kita nak develop uh, organic city yang tanah-tanah kecil individu ni melibatkan tanah-tanah individu, uh, persendirian Mm-hmm. So, uh, just now we just mentioned that to create a sustainable, useful cities, the private sector plays an important role to design a vibrant township or place. And of course, the government planner or authorities plays a vital role to impose certain restri- restriction or guideline to be followed by the developer and the landowner. Um, furthermore, as you're saying the realities, Kuala Lumpur as an organic city pose a significant challenge as there are many individually owned land and it's actually quite a challenge for authorities to implement new ideas in creating sustainable youthful cities. Isn't right? Uh, uh, Mr. Faiz, how can you uh, play a bigger role in urban planning? Okay, uh, untuk, jawab, untuk itu, jawapan saya senang je. Every uh, development yang kita rancang ataupun every plan yang kita buat sebenarnya use ataupun every Malaysian have the right to bantah. Okay, proses bantahan ni ataupun uh, objection yang dipanggil serantah, <laughs> bagian serantah. Bagian serantah ni dia kalau kita buat arti rancangan tempatan, rancangan tempatan uh, dia adalah planning untuk seluruh kawasan dalam contoh setiap daerah ataupun setiap uh, PBT ada rancangan tempatan dia. Contoh Kuala Lumpur ada Kuala Lumpur City Plan. Contoh uh, Shah Alam ada Shah Alam City Plan ataupun uh, rancangan tempatan Majlis Bandaraya Shah Alam. PJ ada rancangan tempatan Majlis Bandaraya Petaling Jaya. So, setiap rancangan tempatan ni, dia ada tempoh masa. Dia ada tempoh masa uh, up to uh, 20, more or less 20 days, uh, 15 to 20 years lah untuk perancangan uh, dalam kawasan dia. Okay, saya ambil contoh rancangan tempatan ataupun city plan yang banyak masalah iaitu KL City Plan. Sebab KL City Plan ni, bila you develop area yang orang dah faham atau orang dah faham undang-undang kawasan tu yang dia ada hak untuk berbantah itu yang KSCT plan lamban nak gazet sebab bila dia paparkan city plan tu so orang boleh, you guys boleh check sebenarnya you guys boleh pergi pada setiap PBT you guys boleh check kawasan tu zoning dia apa apa pembangunan kat kawasan tu, kumahan ke ataupun contoh you tengok uh, sebelah lot tu, sebelah lot you kosong tapi you terfikir sebelah ni apa yang akan dia buat? What type of development yang akan dibina kawasan tu sebenarnya korang boleh check kat website ataupun pergi pada iPlan contohnya iPlan boleh check zoning dia apa rupanya kawasan lot dia lah commercial contohnya tapi bukan semua uh, proses serantah ni atau proses bantahan ni dibuka 
setiap masa. Contoh, uh, bila you buat rancangan tempatan contohnya, arti dia ada certain period of time, uh, more or less sebulan lah. Sebulan nanti dia akan paparkan dekat uh, sok khabar ataupun dekat uh, website Plan Malaysia ataupun dekat, kadang dia wawalkan dekat radio ataupun dekat TV untuk memanggil penduduk kawasan tu, memanggil penduduk kawasan tu untuk melihat planning dekat dekat kawasan dia. So dekat situ sebenarnya kita penduduk Malaysia sebenarnya ada hak untuk membantah pembangunan-pembangunan yang berada di kawasan tu sebenarnya. So kita contoh kawasan tu sebelum ni perumahan. Tiba-tiba bila seranta tu buka ataupun bila tempoh seranta tu buka and then perancangan contohnya 2021 up until 2035. Tiba-tiba zoning kawasan tu, kita dah selesa dengan perumahan, dia diubah kepada komersial contohnya. So kita pergi dekat majlis, ambil borang, bantah. Tak setuju untuk kawasan ni di develop as commercial. Why? So benda-benda macam ni, kalau kita ada justification yang kukuh, majlis boleh revert balik kepada perumahan kat kawasan tu. Tu hak kita tu untuk membantah sesuatu pembangunan dalam local plan lah. I see. What Mr. Faiz meant was youth living in areas with upcoming developments can object. You can go to BPD website to see cities planning and you have the right to object a development if it has not been gazetted. Um, so, our youthful listeners, remember that you have the right to object a development within a period of time. Okay. Alright, after listening uh, sharing session and a few knowledge experience from both of our two special guest speakers, uh, what I can say, I conclude that we have we have to value more Kuala Lumpur Heritage Building. This is because I believe that majority of younger generation nowadays doesn't have that sense of humor or, or value. Besides, not all of them know the history behind it. So let us appreciate and value this building in preventing them from being slowly decaying and uh, at the end of the day, you're being demolished by the urbanization. Do you, do you agree with me that, Zaki? I am totally agree with uh, your opinion, Faris. And I just want to add something on Miss Rashika's point of view regarding youth of the future or even now should play an important role to preserve and protect the heritage building in KL and the other cities in Malaysia. Because I see it is vital that heritage building should be preserved in order to maintain the symbols of culture, to maintain the values of historical building itself. By doing this, we will be able to secure or to inherit uh, something valuable to the next generation something they can be proud of or even will be appreciated or remembrance. So that's all my opinion. Uh, maybe Adam want to add something? Uh, I totally agree what you say and also what Faris said. Uh, and the buildings, heritage buildings and everything. We do need to take care of it. If it's not us, then who else? Because we are Malaysians and it is our country after all. Uh, just like how Ms. Rajika said, uh, we are on track, but everything needs time. And also, I did realize that Mr. Faiz had mentioned that 
to create sustainable youthful cities, the town planner needs to plan activities to make it vibrant and to suit the youth. But however, we need to know Kuala Lumpur is an organic city, which most land in Kuala Lumpur is owned by individuals or they are private on this land. So it will cost more money for the government and more work for the government to actually buy or take up the land and just like they need to if they want to do that they need to impose a guideline and also some restriction to developer to ensure that several aspect are met so that both both party are satisfied so as we can see here youth could do something but with the help from the important parties that has been around in Malaysia. Uh, so, any last words, Zul? Yes. And with all that in mind, youth are tremendously affected by urban planning in Malaysia and we should instill a sense of belonging to our cities that we live in. While cities planning are often governed by big players such as local authorities and private land developers, you are a part of the community. Does you have the power to shape the area that you are living in? And a very big thank you to Mr. Faiz for the sharing station. And again, thank you to Ms. Rashika. Last but not least, we would like to thank the listeners that listened till the end. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of Reality Podcast. Brewing a part of consciousness with a side of wellness. Quench your curiosity with reality.